0: how old you are. I will kick you in the chest. <laughs> there is no greater sound than the sound that that makes of someone being kicked in a chest.
1: Oh shit! Uh, hi, legions. Hi, welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the uh, legally defensible <laughs> Marvelous White Dudley.
0: <laughs> Followed as always by my co cohort and youngest brother. MD3 Marcus Dudley checking in on y'all what is going on out there in podcast land we are broadcasting live from the whatcha been watching studios right here in Tallahassee Florida in the shadows of Doak Campbell Stadium right around the corner from the seven hills of Tallahassee, and those who know, the <laughs> highest of hills. That's a reference to our other wonderful college here in town. So, man, yeah, uh, before anything, big shout-out to Kesta for our lovely song, As always, always Bright. Always Bright. Shout-out. Uh, where can they find us at, man?
1: They can find us on the web at facebook.com slash bros Podcast, or you can write to us at whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, and when you're on the interwebs, look for that beautiful, beautiful banner done by the great... MKD art. MK Dudley art. MK Dudley art. I do that every time. That's the it's one fine. part I bought. Hey, you know what? It's still driving sales. You know what I mean? The middle duds, yeah. Um, shout out to everybody who purchased a shirt. We got about three left. So reach out to us. Uh, they're very limited run. They've been a smash success, and... uh, Be one of the first. Be one of the first. Well, I don't think we're going to... They're purple, and they're very cool. We'll check them out on the website. Shout out to Callie for um, uh, modeling the shirts for us. Oh, yeah. Big shout out to Callie, yeah. Wonderfully done. She was super enthusiastic. She was all about it. So, awesome, yeah. Uh, Well, that's all the housekeeping, as it were. (laughs) How are you, my brother?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. We're... Things are looking up for old Mike Dudley right now. I'm I'm about to have a couple of weeks here coming up that are going to be a little bit tough just because we got the head chef going out of town. And so, of course, I got to be the, you know, being the second in command, I got to step up and make sure that we can right the ship and at least, you know, bring it into port. I don't care if it's on fire. I don't care if it's leaking. As long as we can get to the next port,
0: I did my job. Just keep it afloat. That goddamn right. I believe. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Strive for excellence, man. That's all you can do. Yeah, why not? Anything else going on with you?
1: Oh no, man. Just uh been on a real good movie watching kick
0: lately, so Well, um... I'll be damned if only you had a platform. <laughs> you know, we where keep you can watch about watch movies. It. We were thinking about putting something together in the books, you know. But it never came to fruit. Oh wait! Here, Here we are on the platform right now. So you want to just dive into it, man? You want me to ask you the million-dollar question? Or? Let's fucking do it. Well, then, my brother, the reason why everybody tunes in, the million-dollar question, as it were. What you been watching, my brother? Uh, recently
1: saw... <laughs> went back in time uh, and saw Revenge of the
0: Nerds and Revenge of the Nerds 2. Really? It's, I've always found it very funny that Revenge of the Nerds, first one in the series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you would think <laughs> that it would be like Destruction of the Nerds or like... Right, it would be, a yeah, it would be
1: Nerds. Right, and then Revenge revenge of the Nerds. nerds, And then Revenging of the the Nerds, the sequel, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, pretty much, pretty
0: much. Yeah, it's always funny. I always think, I have to think, oh, I watch Revenge of the Nerds. I'm like, is that the second one? And then I was like, wait, there is, that is Mm -hmm. the first. Anyways, it's enough of my nonsense. Go ahead, what'd you feel about it? Uh... It doesn't really hold up very well. The talent well. show definitely holds up though. Boop 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 boop. <laughs>
1: that shit holds up. Where 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 they're rapping about being nerds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that shit holds and up. And then they got uh, what's his name, Poindexter, playing the electric uh, violin. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, that shit holds up. What was the uh, the bully's name in that? Ogre. Ogre. Yeah, he was in uh, Bloodsport too. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I forget. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yes. was in a bunch of stuff. He's Snap famous. He was in. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, the original Any Given Sunday, he was in, um, oh God, a bunch of stuff. Like, you, you know who we're talking about. Anyway, uh,
0: but yeah, Revenge of the Nerds and Revenge of the Nerds 2, probably his best known outings. Uh, in terms what made of you want to watch both, like a Weekend at Bernie's and Weekend at Bernie's 2 situation? Kind of, it,
1: it just came up on the stream and I was like, you know what I haven't seen in a long time, Revenge of the Nerds, and then as soon as the credits were rolling, they were like, do you want to watch Revenge of the Nerds 2? And I was like, you know what? i've had just enough whiskey that sounds like a good sounds idea like
0: a great idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh well done well so done. we did uh as much as the first one doesn't hold up because it is very like it, it does not pass the Bichtel test or any sort of standard nowadays i mean like you got the 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 lambda lambda lambdas are setting up basically a cent- the 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 nascent version of cam girls where they they're setting up like (laughs) cameras in the girl's room and in their showers and in their locker rooms and then just broadcasting it via the interwebs through
0: to their computers and um
1: yeah that's not cool dude like don't watch
0: women while they don't know like which is funny the internet was so bad you would have seen like Fiber optic cables running out of the window, mm-hmm. down the hill, around the... It's like, I'm just saying, in reality, that's what it would have been. Yeah, like, it's who still, did this? It right. a, a literal, An actual, literal <laughs> trail running back to your house. Who installed this radar dish on our <laughs> dormitory
1: roof? <laughs> <laughs> what are we having to good old bullies like Ogre Michael? That's a good question. I think they sort of evolved into, like... It's it's the same thing that happened in comics where every villain had to have a tragic story or a tragic backstory. Whereas like eighties bullies were just like, No, that dude's just a dick. Like yeah. he's just Daniel LaRusso just comes to a new school and Johnny's like, Hey new kid, kick you in the nuts.
0: if you kinda of think about it, Daniel was kind of a bully too. I mean he not initially, but he did just kinda of come in and be like, I'm gonna steal your girl, I'm gonna like he just encroached on all this shit that he had going on. And <laughs> he felt threatened. no I just mean like there was a push for it was just like a believable 80's villain that could just be a dick just to be like my dad's gonna buy the rec center and turn it (laughs) into a parking garage like it was just everywhere Just some dude's building a sandcastle. Your cat. band
1: can't practice here anymore. Yeah. This is going to get turned into my dad's personal garage.
0: Right. <laughs> I'll challenge you to a skate-off. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: They just don't if exist you me.
1: can make it down Devil's Peak faster than my crew, right. we'll back off and I'll convince my dad to sell the
0: deed. Yeah, and they, they went away with that at some point. They transferred them, I guess. Like, clueless. They were mean, but... They're just mean to each other. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And also kind of mean girls, you know, there yeah. was there was
0: also, you know, like
1: again, I think it, it falls into the whole, you know, tragic villain backstory. You know, Regina King is, is not Regina King, Regina Reynolds? What's her last name? Fuck. Who are you talking about? Regina, the fucking the the, the queen Bee. Oh, uh,
0: um I'm talking about Amy uh Rachel McAdams.
1: Rachel McAdams. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Regina. Yeah, Regina, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, she's just kind of a bitch. She's just unnecessary. Like, she's got the, like, quote-unquote cool mom who just lets her do whatever, and she's the popular one, and she's this, and she's that. And, like, of course, yeah, they add in the societal pressures of, like, you have no idea what it's like to be the prettiest girl at the ball. But she's
0: just kind of a bitch, you know, so. Yeah, that's why she gets pushed in front of a bus. (laughs) Anyways, um, so, Revenge of the Nerds. What do you rate it, Michael? What do you rate it? Uh, or you can talk about it more if you want.
1: I mean, it's it's it's. I hate I hate to say that it's fun nostalgia because it's not. I I think that if you had never seen Revenge of the Nerds before, you would absolutely just be like, "What the fuck is happening? Why is this funny?" But being a product of the eighties and the eighties, sort of fun uh sex romp movie which like is essentially the yeah. yeah the porkies of it all the the even mall rats to a little bit degree is, is sort of that American uh, pie a little American bit. American pie, yeah, 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 yeah. But getting lost in that of, of the nostalgia of in the eighties, that's where you went to go if you wanted to go see Naked Boobs or like Chicks Undressing or or, you know, screwball comedies, you know, very, very physically driven comedies, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know that it's great. I, it definitely doesn't hold up and you will probably be very much offended, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's worth a look. Uh, especially if you grew up in the eighties, I will say that as bad as Revenge of the Nerds one is, Revenge of the Nerds two is even worse because the whole plot line of that is they go to, I think it's Fort Lauderdale or Miami for the Greek council. And so it's just, just, never ending shots of like girls walking down the beach in bikinis and them being like I love you I wanna I wanna put my baby inside you you know (laughs) and then them being nerds and you know guy walks into a pool in his full suit and he spends half his time trying to pick up on a cardboard cutout of a beer model girl and keeps trying to buy her alcohol and stuff so
0: um, get on cardboard cutout Kathy Ireland yeah basically basically nice Um, my question to you though sir Was their revenge just or was it too swift or unprovoked? I mean, let's be honest.
1: It's not the problem that they're nerds. It's that they're annoying. Like, I got no problem with people who are, you know, differently abled or, or, you know, got their own niche thing going on. But when you're just an annoying fuck about it, yeah you kind of deserve to get bullied a little bit i'm with it <laughs> i'm with it and i say that as someone who was bullied my entire life and i was an annoying fuck so. uh, yeah yeah
0: potentially potentially well cool well what else you've been watching man uh Where oh wait rate? i gotta rate it yeah, yeah i gotta rate that
1: one uh i'm gonna give it um i'm gonna give it four lambda lambdas i'm with it uh what else have you been watching man Let's see, after that I watched, um, oh, I got into a real nostalgia feels based on that and went and watched uh, The Outsiders, the S.E. Hinton uh, novel turned into a movie by, strangely enough, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, that is right, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. like fucking everybody's in that movie. You got Emilio Estevez, you got... um, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, you've got, um, got C. Thomas Howell. You've got Ralph Macchio, Macchio. <laughs> Matt Dillon. Oh, who's One of the older sheens.
0: Brother? Uh One of the Sheens is in it, too, right? Yeah, and Emilio, Char- uh,
1: Emilio S. Oh, and Charlie
0: S. S. Is. Sheen in it, too, or no? I don't no, think No, he's that's... not, though. No, no, yeah, no. Emilio is definitely
1: God, what's his name? Uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, Patrick Swayze. Swayze's in it, Patrick Swayze. Swayze. He's like yeah, the yeah. oldest of them. And Diane Lane plays uh, Cherry. Really? Yes, sir. It's Get, Diane Lane? A very, very young Diane Lane. Like...
0: Wow, she can't be more than 18, 19 years old? Huh, I guess I never put that together, or I forgot that. Yeah. It's a yeah. great movie, man. It's an all-time classic. Pretty damn uh-huh. good book, apparently. I've never read it, but if it's anything like the movie, I'll like it. It,
1: it. As far as the movie goes, it is a pretty faithful adaptation of the of the book. Um I think the book goes a little, just as books normally do. They go Tom more. Tom Cruise is the one I was thinking of. Tom Cruise, yeah. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise yes. is definitely the <laughs> he is in that. That's yeah, right. It's him, That's yeah. Right.
0: And the... With a big old fat chaw on his lip the entire time. Yeah, yeah. They deal out some. Po- what was the two uh, rival gangs? The Sochas Gre- and the Greasers. The Sochas? Sochas, yeah. And the Greasers, yeah. The Sochas yeah. were the preppy kids. You dig okay, Pony Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay golden, Pony Boy. That's one of those good. iconic lines. Bro.
1: I rewatched that scene probably about six times because that was a wonderfully masterfully shot scene. I mean, just the whole poem of they bring in the Robert Frost poem of nature's hardest is gold. It's it's nature's greenest.
0: Goddamn, I'm running. Does it. not the wind love the dirt? <laughs> is it not unlike the unlikeliness that it is not unlikely to? Are you with someone tonight? <laughs> anyway, it's. Good. So I had to. (laughs) Anywho,
1: Robert Frost, Nature's Green is Gold, the poem, uh, where they talk about, you know, nothing gold lasts forever. And the entire shot is just shot with yellow and amber filters. So everything has this nice golden hue about it. It takes place in uh, like northern Oklahoma. So there's this like really nice prairie feel to it where like you see that the wheat fields laid out before him and, and it happens at sunset. So there's all these reds and golds and purples and magentas that are really popping pony boy had just dyed his hair blonde. So it's, it's got this really nice, like almost like wheat sheen to it. So it's, it's, it's wonderfully masterfully shot. Um, and so it, it's so beautiful because it touches on both the, it touches on both the, Aspects of the poem, but also the the emotionality of what's happening in the book, and just sort of captures it all in, in a very beautiful visual style. That was a bit of a rant. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good.
0: <laughs> I was listening. No, no, I get it's uh, the ending. Once spoiler we're gonna spoil the movie. Once uh Danny Larusso's character, i will forget his name, uh, Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Once do it John, for Johnny, man. Do it for Johnny, man. No, but once he gets burned up and he's in the hospital, and he's like, "Don't touch me! Don't touch me!" That shit will make you cry every time, man. Yeah. And he's just saying that, like he's kind of like, what the fuck was all this about? You know, like it's, it's like, like they swallow.
1: They beat the Sochas in the rumble and then they run back to Johnny like, Johnny, we beat the Sochas, man, we beat them back. And he's like, doesn't matter. They're going to be back next week and none of that's going to matter. We're still going to be living the same shitty lives we were yesterday and now I'm going to die. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does
0: die. Movie death real quick. Oh, 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 timing. Oh, bleh. Yeah. She would like to see some titties before I die. Oh, <laughs> just enough time to suck a titty before I go, but where am I going to find a titty? <laughs> Anyways, Chappelle references. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. No, that's, a, that's an all-time classic, man. I, I got nothing really to add to it that that really hasn't probably already been said about it by you. It's beautifully shot, wonderful story, and I mean, it was the first time that I was, I didn't know it was a book, and I was like, damn, I remember seeing that because uh, I had a book report on it, didn't read the book at all, I just mm-hmm. watched the movie and based it entirely off of that, so... Thank you for that one, whoever showed me that. I think probably you. <laughs> it might have been, actually. been like, oh, you got to read the outsider. Just watch the movie. Just I think Michael secretly it. wanted to be a greaser. I, you know what? I, I definitely would have You, you kind of wanted to be like, you would have been in a singing group back in the day, Michael. <laughs> you would have been with Slick Terry. You would have been a tough guy that also Talking was in about? a singing group. Duba. <laughs> Michael slid in. <laughs> Anyways. No, it's a classic. Well... <laughs> Alright, so now start scatting here. Oh man. Um what do you rate it? Oh man, I'm gonna give it um
1: you know what? I'm gonna give it three golden statues. And stay golden statues. Nice. Stay golden.
0: Nice. Nice work. I see what you did there. <laughs> what else we got, my friend?
1: Oh, so to to spin from that, I went from sad teenager movie into happy
0: teenager movie and saw Hook. Oh lord. What is that uh what's his name? Uh, Robin Williams? No, no, what's the ah, freak, I can't. Who plays Captain Hook? Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I couldn't I could see his face, but And yeah, then yeah. Uh, Ju, uh not Julie Andrews, Julia Roberts. Yeah, is Tinkerbell. <laughs> is Tinkerbell. Fucking terribly miscast in my opinion.
1: I think she's absolutely charming and sweet
0: in that. The I only think... time you'll ever hear Michael say that. I, I mean,
1: I, I got no real problem with Julia Roberts. I think she's white bread with mayonnaise, but, you yeah. know, sometimes that's what it's called for, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: sugar water. She's and... the golden, the, the Goldie Hawn of her day. I guess, I guess. It's just, like, just America's Sweetheart. But we've yeah. talked about that before. Yeah. But, anyways, Hook, some people despise that movie. I, I don't know why. For a movie that's shot completely
1: on sound stages and backlots, that movie looks amazing. All the costumes look great. The sets, I mean, yeah, you can tell where the matte painting begins and, and the actual set ends. And but there's no real CGI effects to be spoken of. Like everything's done practically in world with like real life visual effects. I got no problems
0: with that. None at all. And you don't have a problem with a 45 year old Robin Williams playing Peter Pan, or whoever the hell <laughs> he looks like. He's 45.
1: I mean, he might have been younger than I was. He might be younger in that movie than I am now at this point. He doesn't I, look it. I, well, but Robin Williams always looked like he was 45 yeah, years that's old. that's true. So, that is very true. You know, Ryan Gosling's always going to look 26. That's true. You know? That's very true. Uh, he's just blessed like that.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't mind it as much as a kid because it was like, oh, Robin Williams. You don't think of it. But like when you go back and watch it, in, in, I saw it a few, probably like within the last five years or so. It, I couldn't get into it it was like what the like, who would green like this is a good idea like just, Steven Spielberg yeah I mean yeah you get like arguably the greatest American director of all time to do it you're gonna you know but it's kind of a miss man in my opinion it's not a bad movie but it just doesn't really really what, what misses the fact that it was a 45 year old Robin Williams <laughs> playing fucking Peter Pan the boy who never grows up like just do Peter Pan like it was I don't get it it's like Rufio was awesome Rufi oh yeah. oh yeah and he was a dick speaking of 80s bullies but I don't know Peter Pan was just I don't know he just kind of missed for me when you go back and watch it I, not for me at all. I was I was completely entertained by it. Be like,
1: you goddamn right, man.
0: And like, you he, lost your fairy dust, Peter. And he did, but he like goes so he escapes Neverland. And he what goes to work a nine to five for some fucking factory or whatever the fuck. No, that. no, some he's he's gig. he's
1: like a uh, corporate lawyer. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah.
0: I'd fill in the blank? But like, oh, I'm gonna leave being young forever. I'm gonna go work for the man now. Like, I get the moral of the story, but it's like, why would you ever do that? Isn't a... that what we all do, Marcus? Don't we all leave our childhood yeah. behind and go work for the man? Again, I get the moral of the story, but like, <laughs> if this is in a practical setting, why would he do that? Like, there's no revelation of just like, sorry, guys, I left and I got old. It's like, yeah, you did. Why? <laughs> <laughs> there's no value. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. It's kind of, <laughs> I don't know.
1: The scene where uh, Too Small. Uh, like they have the, the Rufio draws the line in the sand and says anyone who believes he's the pan get on this line and anybody who believes he's not the pan come with me and then all the lost boys go over and then Too Small comes over and starts squishing his face and rubbing his cheeks and pulling mm. his face back and then he goes oh there you are Peter I cried I'm not going to lie oh, I Lord. was like <laughs> He sees beyond the mask, and he sees the real boy inside. That's me. There's a real boy inside me.
0: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not a terrible movie. That's not what I'm saying. No, like, no, no it just doesn't. No. I just don't like. Just do Peter Pan. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And Dustin Hoffman is so campy in that man. He is he swinging for the, for the fences. fences. He is doing awesome in that, I which mean, is good for him.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think. In a weird way, we talked before about somebody in the movie needs to... No matter how ridiculous it is, somebody in the movie needs to take it seriously. And that was Robin Williams in a, in a weird way. Whereas Dustin Hoff, Dustin Hoffman was able to just go completely off the map and just really explore like, I'm going to be terrible and... Menacing
0: in every way, but also sort of charming and funny. He's—I I mean, this as a compliment—he's unrecognizable in that role. Yeah, like it's—he never, in my opinion, has done anything before. Well, he's or got after the that.
1: false teeth, he's got the the prosthetic nose, he's got the prosthetic mustache. Yeah, he's—he's he's wearing the the wig with the curls. You know. Yeah. He's doing this. I, I mean. I don't want to say it's a good English accent because I can do a better English accent than he does. It works, though. It's pirate. But, yeah. It's all chewed up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, in a weird way, it's this this weird amalgamation of, like, oh, yeah, that's how a little kid would
0: hear a pirate, pirate. sound. Yeah, it's... I, I He's my favorite part of that movie, him and Rufio, even though, really, I just like He goes, play. That's really the only part I like. But, oh, where they, starts, he,
1: they push him into the basketball court and start smashing the ball in his head. Yeah, like, play. play. And he's like, whap. Yeah. Play, whap.
0: Yeah, no, I like that scene a lot, and I like uh, Dustin Hoffman as uh, Captain Hook. The food, the food fight scene where Peter finally learns
1: how to pretend and like they bring out this huge banquet and it's all empty bowls, and all the Lost Boys are miming like they're chowing down on like burgers and fries. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about pies that and this at the other, and meanwhile Peter's going like. There's nothing here, and P- and Tinkerbell's like, if you don't imagine it, it won't exist. You have to do this, or something of, of of the nature. And then finally, like Rufio insults him, and he goes to like scoop up some pie and like fling it at yeah, his yeah. face, and then all of a sudden it appears, and then there's a huge banquet of just like turkey legs and pies and and popcorns and cakes and all the different stuff, and like. Peter learns, like, his imagination's back. It's a beautiful scene. Anyway. Why does he go back to Neverland in the first place? Because Captain Hook kidnaps his kids. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, I forgot.
1: Anyways, what do you rate it? Uh, I'm going to give it um, one unresolved love issue between Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. Yeah, they do basically, kinda smash. It's yeah, kind of weird. Basically, Tinkerbell is like, hey, dude, you could just stay here in Neverland and, like, we can smash, because I can grow big now. And he's like, I love my wife. And she's like, yeah, that's a good choice.
0: <laughs> she thought for a second about having Harry Robin Williams rocking on, <laughs> rocking on top of her. And like, yeah, you should probably go. Sorry, I had a moment of weakness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, look at me. I'm a genie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will give Look it. at me. I'm Italian. Huh? What's
1: the pizza yeah. ball?
0: <laughs> okay, you got to stop that. You can't do that every time you come. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, that should be annoying. I will give it three red stripes down very jet black ink dyed hair. Is what I will give there it. There you go. That's what I'll give it. Bang-a-rang. Yes, sir. <laughs> well done. Oh, shit. What else have you been watching, my dude?
1: Oh, uh, recently rewatched Spider-Man
0: Homecoming. Oh, I thought you were going to say Spider-Verse. I was like, mm, save that <laughs> one. Because I just saw the sequel and I announced that on Facebook. We're, we're going to get there. I we're mean, both of us saw it on... <laughs> well, inside you reveal too much. We both have access to the Facebook page and the comments. So. K-fave, K-fave. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh anyways. No, you saw a homecoming
1: you said? Yeah, the very first one with um uh Michael Keaton as the vulture, as the vulture.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. The first MCU one, as it were.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um such a great movie. It, honestly, great movie. my favorite version of Spider Man so far. I think Tom Holland does a really good job of balancing the awkward teenage, growing you know, growing pains aspect of Peter Parker, but also manages to be a great Spider Man in terms of he's always making quips, he's always got a, a pop culture reference or a, or a witty retort or. In a weird way, the best version of Peter Parker is always, he doesn't know how to live his life as Peter Parker, but the second he puts on the mask, he knows exactly what to
0: do. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think Tom Holland is is a great balance of that. Well, that movie, the whole Homecoming does such a good good job of him finding that in terms of like, the whole point of it is like, I, I need a suit to be, and it's like, no, you really don't, man, which... Lo and behold, you find out. And just if you look at it from the comics, even like Tony's like, dude, you have the potential to be the greatest of all of us. Which, again, in the comic books, like there's a scene uh, without all the, the backstory too much. Doctor Otto Octavius takes over the body of Spider-Man and the yeah. Superior Spider-Man. Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. And he and he punches somebody and he almost fucking kills him. And he's like, oh, this guy's been holding back the whole time. Right. Right. Like,
1: essentially, Peter Parker has the proportional strength of a spider, which is like ten. To- per mass body weight is like ten times that of a human, basically. Yeah. So basically he's at, like, Thor or Hulk-level strengths. And the whole time he's been holding back because he doesn't
0: want to kill somebody Yeah. just by punching him in the face. Yeah. And it's like most... Even, like, he's so sticky that, like, there's a scene in one of the, uh, the old comic books where, like, Spider-Man is sticking to a wall. And Colossus has his arm around his stomach and he's yoking him. And the whole wall crumbles before spider Like, he's that sticky and... And there's a scene, like, the point I brought it all up was, like, him him trying to find that balance of, like, still trying to, like, oh, oh, man, like, but I need the suit. And it's like, trust me, kid, you don't, but Tony doesn't really know that either. So uh, Most heroes in a comic book arc will be like, oh, there's one or two bad guys, or there's, like, you know, cannon fodder bad guys. They sure. have to run through a warehouse of, quote-unquote, trained Marines or mercenaries, and they fuck them all up. Sure, and Captain then, America or, yeah, yeah. or Winter
1: Soldier or... Hawkeye, or like yeah. any like you got to go through X number of of henchmen before you can reach the big bad guy kind of right. thing,
0: right? Right. But Spider Man fights the Sinister Six right all at once, and it's not like he's he's the man. So I'm I'm glad that they finally nailed it. They do fast forward that movie a little bit. We don't need to see Uncle Ben die, which we don't. Which you know, by the time you get to the third movie, boy does that pay off because you are like, fuck. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, we'll talk Spoiler we'll, alert. we'll dive the whole trail. We're gonna talk more after you see Spider Verse, but um, they do fast forward a little. You don't see him make the webbing. You just like this kid's going to in an, uh, uh, an engineering and science high school. Like he's right, right. A pretty it's, sharp. It's like a, a STEM high school, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they they do fast forward some of it a little bit, but I agree that Tom Holland is by far. Um, he works with the story and he really progresses it as spider-man like he is i think we've talked about it before where toby Maguire was a phenomenal peter parker phenomenal mm-hmm. peter parker mm-hmm. andrew garfield was an incredible spider-man not so good at peter parker he was he was Correct. too cool and too handsome just right, in my opinion right, right. like peter parker shouldn't ever have a skateboarding through the halls of his high school scene yeah which is whatever but he was just too cool and it's like, eh, I don't really get the fact that this guy would be picked on, right? Right. You know? You're a little too
1: handsome. You're a little too suave. You're a little too like charismatic. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Like, whereas I think Tom Holland, I could actually buy him as like, yeah, you're a little nerdy. You're a little eccentric. You're a little lost in your own world. To where, of course, the popular kid might potentially like find some fault in you and,
0: and try to exploit that. You know. They do a good job of modernizing it with keeping the same core of it intact in terms of like being a physical threat. Like we don't see him develop like by the time we see Tom Holland as Spider-Man, like he's already had the powers. Right. So to go back and forth with him being like letting Flash Thompson fuck with him, you know, and be like, oh, I'll push you down the stairs, Parker. Like, you can't really do that. So what in the modern day and age is how somebody's he's just gonna fuck with them on social media. Every right. chance he's getting he's gonna be like, look at dork ass Parker over here, right? right, He's not a physical threat to him, so they were really smart to pivot off of that in terms of that. Right,
1: right. I agree, agreed. agreed. I I think it's a it's a really innovative take on the modern bullying. You know, like a lot of it, I I'm sure it happens physically within the 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 halls of the school, but a lot of it now is is social media and you know, hey, hashtag f word this guy, you know, or just being a dick all throughout the day, and yeah, just yeah. taking just, just yeah. little
0: little jabs here and there that that all add up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they they did a wonderful job there, and the kid that plays Flash Thompson's really believable. Actually, I like him. Yeah, I, I think uh, of everybody. I think Michael Keaton is the one to watch in that. Like that's the Valley Kilmer performance of, of the entire movie. Um, I don't know. Tom Holland that was my first time seeing Tom Holland. So Michael Keaton, it was just like he's well, such a good
1: spider. But not really, because you got him in Civil War. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. But it was the first time really
1: seeing him. You sure. taste it. So, uh No, that scene that scene where uh so basically uh Michael Keaton plays the vulture, Adrian Toomes, and Peter Parker goes to high school with his daughter and asks her out on prom. And during the car ride, while uh, Michael Keaton is dropping him, him and his daughter off at their prom. He figures out that that Tom Holland is Spider Man, and have this really great passive aggressive conversation about like, oh, you know what? If I ever met my enemy, I I know what I would do, or or whatever. Uh, but but ba- so basically, so it ends with Michael Keaton drops off. Uh, his daughter and Tom Holland at the prom and goes, hey, honey, you go ahead and go on in. I'm going to sit here and talk to Peter for a second. The boy's got to talk. And he he literally just turns around and goes, I know who you are. And if you try to mess with me, you try to mess with my business, I'll kill you. I'll kill your whole family. I'll kill everybody that gets in my way. I'll kill everybody that's close to you.
0: Now go in and have fun with my daughter. Yeah. Don't
1: bring her home too late. Yeah.
0: Pretty much like, dude, I really don't want to do this, but uh, you, I got to eat. Right. You know what I mean? I got to eat. yeah, yeah. So, it's uh it's tough. You're not, not going to fuck with my patient. My livelihood, man. And that's a real... It's one of the best, most villainous scenes, and nobody's wearing a fucking cartoony suit. Mm-hmm. Not a single person. It's a real deal. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I'm trying to eat. You fucking come between my family going without, I, I ha- like, I'll I like, kill you. You gotta I'll go. Kill, yeah. Right, like, right. It, yeah. It ain't a yeah. choice thing. Like, motherfucker, I'm starving out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a real scene, man. That, that's one of my favorite... That's why that movie puts... I like that one a little bit more than the second one, only because of that scene. Um, just because it's very grounded in terms of like, man, I don't want to do this either, but if I'm tasked with this... Well, the second one brings in the whole revenge aspect of Mysterio
1: and and like... It's one of those where like you have to have... You have to have a basic understanding of other Marvel movies to understand what's going on in in that one. Whereas I think Homecoming is a strictly isolated Spider-Man movie. You don't have to have seen anything that happened... Maybe, maybe civil war. Maybe, maybe just just to understand why Happy Hogan is
0: involved. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a little, yeah. Happy Hogan definitely. So maybe Iron Man. But but they do, but they do a good job. Ex- like you don't have to have
1: seen Iron Man. All you got to do is understand that Tony Stark is Iron Man. That you don't you don't have to know the entire story of how that happened. Right. Right. So. Who he is and why he's important, pretty much. Right, right. All you have to know is like, oh, Tony Stark's the man. Okay, yeah. I, I understand this. Which you figure you could figure out that even if you didn't watch it. Right, but but that's what I'm saying is they do a good job of explaining why that is within the movie because yeah. they they give you the flashbacks, they give you the whole setup scenario of of you know why Peter Parker got involved with Tony Stark in the first place. You know where. It's it's Peter doing his home documentary version of of his time in Germany and getting the suit for the first time right. and Tony Stark setting up in a hotel and you know uh, yeah so they do they do a pretty good prologue of bringing you up to date about where Spider Man is at in his career and then it takes off
0: yeah it's they did the smart thing and it's unlike a. They did it for so many times with like Batman and Superman. Like we don't need to see Martha and fucking Thomas Wayne die anymore. Right. Like we don't need to see the rocket it. go to go from Krypton to Earth. We we get it, right? We get it. You can tell it in a, in a at, later down. We don't need to start there. Like we get it, you know. So they did the smart thing and in, in saying Uncle Ben's dead. It's hard times, whatever. Also, big shout out. Right. They uh, brought in Donald Glover as the Prowler for those who know. So That's you know, right. Uncle yeah. Aaron. So. No, I, I dig that movie. That's um pretty high on my. That's probably top ten on my Marvel, um tier list, as it were. Uh, Spider Man: Homecoming. Me too. But I'm I'm a huge Spider Man fan. That was always one of the comic books growing like, up. Like who isn't thing. though? If you're a fan of comic books at all, it's like everyone's. Oh, I love Batman, Superman. The big one over there is like Spider Man. That's yeah. like there is no equivalent to that on the other side. Just like everyone that has like super powered that flies is like oh they're kind of like Superman. That's like the sure, comp. Right. There's no comp to Spider-Man on the other side. There's no Arachnid Man. Or... You're,
1: you're right. You're right. There's... There is in
0: terms. Of, we've talked about it before. In terms of character, it's it's Nightwing. It's Dick Grayson. Right. In terms of their importance to it, of everybody's rooting for this guy, and they shouldn't be decent people of all the shit they've went through. But right. somehow they keep that. It's right. Like, exactly. Fuck, right, we're rooting right. for you. Keeping guys. the hope alive. Like they're the best heroes of each universe. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right. Right. The the best of us, as it were. Yeah. It's like fuck. Like Spider-Man's even like when Spider-Man flips sides in Civil War. It's like oh that's a big deal. You know, like, (laughs) so anyways, but I dig homecoming a lot. So yeah, we'll talk more about Spider-Man here in the near future. (laughs) So I'll tell you the new movie is really good. It's really, really, I can't wait to see it. I I really do want to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'll talk about that later. Um, Shit, man. Uh, you want to take a quick break and then we can talk about some shit that we have seen together? Well, you want to
0: ask me what I've been watching? Oh, what you, you been wanna... watching? I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, we can do that. We're going to cut that shit out. No, you're good. No, uh, <laughs> what have I been watching? What you been watching, brother? My brother. Uh, I watched, I'll, I'll make it pretty quick. I told you this before where I go into like documentaries of like crime or murder and I'll get my fill of them. And then I'm like, all right, I'm out for a while. I'm back in. <laughs> I'm back in uh angie came home and i was she was watching something about um a murder mystery and all this stuff and turns out i pegged who it was i was wrong not always like that yeah yeah turns out the mom was alive somewhere else just wanted to get away from her crazy ass son (laughs) Uh, i don't remember what that one was called but that was that was a catalyst to get me into some other things i went back and watched all of season one of the vow which is the nexium uh the keith reniere uh, documentary about the...
1: oh, oh, the the weird, crazy sex swinger cult that got it became uh, that Allison one. Mack. Involved. Yeah, yeah, not that... not Allison Mack from Nickelodeon, but Allison Mack from uh...
0: Smallville. Smallville. Yeah. yeah, not
1: Allison Mack wears a hat. I don't even know what that is, but Allison Mack was a was a I think it was the the weird adventures of Allison Mack, and it was about a girl who found some like alien goo that. Allowed her to turn into liquids and stuff, and like her whole thing was she had a hat
0: every episode. Don't remember that one.
1: Turns out it was the Secret World of Alex Mack, not Allison Mack. Anywho's,
0: but anywho, anyway, but not that Allison Mack, the know, other one yeah. from Smallville. Yeah. So there was a, <laughs> there's was a, uh, that was a weird tangent. <laughs> no, not that, that went one. nowhere because I didn't know what you were talking about. Usually I do. Anywho. <laughs> Quick trivia question. What was the first Nickelodeon produced movie?
1: First Nickelodeon produced movie. I want to say Good Burger, but I feel nope. it's, it's got to be something before that. It was. Oh, man. not let it go too long with dead air. Was it Guts the movie?
0: Wrong. It would be Harriet the Spy.
1: Harriet. That does make sense. So there you go. Anyways, a little trivia for that- you that
0: Michael failed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways,
1: um, the only true course now is seppuku. Yeah, seppuku Le- right. Le- <laughs>
0: Le- oh, man. Um, I'm dead. But yeah, no, The Vow season two. <laughs> the Vow, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they go into it It's a follow-up after it's a bunch of people disband from the cult or whatever. And then this is pretty much after Keith Raniere, the leader of it. They did other things. There was just one faction of it that was the sex cult thing, and it was called DOS, dominant over submissive, and it started as a women's fraternity. They said, but really it was just Keith Raniere brainstormed the whole thing. Was like, how do I get sex slaves and tattoo my initials? I like him already. People? Yeah, yeah. But he uh, so it was pretty much like the follow through, and it was him actually once he got arrested was the end of season one. This was him being arrested. The people oh. and they got actually one of the. The main, uh, like he's probably like second in command, as it were, um, flipped and was like, "Hey, I'm guilty of not of the sex stuff. I had nothing to do with that." She was upset because it was like my company was Nexium. That was my thing. Whatever you did tarnished all that shit that I worked for, which, sure, which sure is true. She's like, sure. 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 So, she's like, so, "I ran a successful company. You took my company." So she from was you. second in
1: command only in terms of like I'm going to run the business, and he was like the head guru that was doing all this weird shit and. Yeah, she maybe she, or maybe not. She had no knowledge of what was happening beyond, behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, and she she seemed to have an on and off. Still again. doing fraudulent shit with the company, but yeah, she, Keith Ranieri slept with her, and then like years later slept with her daughter. Like, wow. Yeah, this dude was about it, man. He was wild. But so it's the process of them like going to trial, like as people slowly start to because once one person they were like you know his big thing was like nobody say anything they got nothing, and then right. once one person says I plead guilty, it's like oh fuck. And the next person, I plead guilty. I plead guilty. You're like, Fuck the so, domino effect of yeah. And then you're then the your shield alone. of silence is suddenly broken. You have no allies. You can't. You know. Once everybody rolls over, it's like shit. Now you're alone up there, dude. Ended up so it's kind of like they follow in the first season the like, disbanded members, people that got out, and um, it's just them kind of keeping up with the trial and kind of interviewing people on their exit. And they actually got the the main I forget her name, but the second in command to do a lot of interviews with them and kind of spill the beans on keith mire and so ends up he was found guilty in like 120 fucking years the other people got like minor things like she was guilty not of the sex crimes but of the uh like money laundering and right the financial side of it like the the head of the daughter of the the seagram's fortune like seagram seven seagram's ginger ale was the one that was bankrolling all of it so she got in trouble really allison matt got in trouble uh, the main chick's daughter like got in trouble but got a lesser sentence because some of the other members wrote being like, look, she got caught up in this shit at a really early age. Kind of bailed wow. her out to be honest. And they had no reason to do it. She had screwed them over. Um, so, it was, it was kind of a wild trip though. So, okay. I watched that um, which is not, I wouldn't say watch it if you're in a good mood, um, <laughs> not the most uplifting documentary ever. Yeah. And then I watched, uh, Hillsong, a a mega church exposed. Hillsong is the one they, they got really famous for like the music of it. It was an Australian based church and this, okay. this guy forgetting, and I don't, I don't want to give the credit to all these people, but, um, started selling music. It was like the big thing. They, they were like, we're going to change the way that we're doing, uh, uh Kind of like the first, like, oh, we're cool pastors. You just come in here as you are, you know. Right. Whatever. And they had, like, contemporary music. Like, hey, it's cool if you got tattoos as long as they're s- Christian-based. Kind of shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so they started selling, like, the first thing they did was make millions and millions of dollars just off of licensing their music out to people. They'd be like, because people would go and they all they would talk about is you know, like, even if you don't like church, the music will move you. So, they're doing like Christian rock stuff, like Jars of Clay or Carmine or. Yeah, but getting like real musicians that were like in the times, like child stars that were coming up. Um, This one chick became a member of Hillsong in Australia and like changed the music program. So, it was like good music, you know, for what it was coming out of the church. And then they started branching out into not only just Australia, but they put a church in New York and Prague and some other places because that's what they wanted to do. And it was just kind of like the, the corruption of said things, you know,
1: in terms of like embezzling money or like, Mm, well, some 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 Catholic stuff. (laughs) Oh, some weird, uh, child bumming stuff. The, his, the,
0: the main guy in Australia, the guy who started it, his dad was found guilty of, and they paid hush money to people. And they, their big point was like, oh, well, he didn't know about it and, you know, whatever, whatever. And then the church didn't know about it. And there was like an actual document that they have being like, Hey, you should probably stop our, that. Our plan of attack in doing this is right. to transfer him and make him go away. And then he didn't really go away. They just moved him to New Zealand. So obviously the church knew all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and, and shit like that. Yeah, they had right, a, a yeah. pastor that was in New York. And this guy, you might have heard of him. He was um, hanging like, part of the thing of this church is they started in New York bringing like, Big time celebrities in there. This is when like Justin Bieber was going through with bad boy phase, you know, quote unquote, sure. bad boy phase, peeing on mop buckets and trying to fight paparazzi. i a real rebel, yo. Yeah, for real. Um, and so he went there to like clean bad
1: up. Bad boy the- for life.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, real gangster shit. Um, so he went there, like Kevin Durant went there, a basketball player. Uh, some of the Kardashians, Kanye West made an appearance, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever. So he started drawing these, like, massive celebrities in New York to the point where the pastor himself was a crazy good-looking guy. Like, I mean, shredded up, like, crazy muscular, but would be, like, out with Justin Bieber, and he's got, Joe Rogan said this, that he would hang his pants so low. He's like, this dude's got dick root showing, he's a pastor? (laughs) Like, no, 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 like, you don't wear your shorts like that unless you're trying to get attention from chicks, which... The documentary goes on, but like if you know anything about anything, and you just know this guy because you've seen guys like right, this. Right. Big, I know what this motherfucker's big doing. Big surprise, cheating on his wife. No, so, go figure. So, yeah. yeah, and which I'm not here just because you're a crit and you cheat on it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, sure. The problem is he's up there preaching about purity and apparently was like it goes. a douchebag at right. previous churches right. and right. had interactions with so.
1: I think all the homosexuals should be lined up and stoned and shot. And he, meanwhile, I know all the best glory holes. Yeah, shit like uh, that. And he I'm not saying I'm addicted to meth. I'm just saying that if you give it to me,
0: I might suck your penis. <laughs> I love how he devolved into a meth head that quickly. <laughs> so it just kind of became this guy became larger than the church. And they started boxing, like having VIP seats for celebrities. Uh, so it's kind of like your Christianity's not as good as the important people, you know. And like they right, they right, told right, somebody, right. "Don't you dare sit in a normal person here or a regular person here." Like, oh, just like on the front row, like yeah, somebody sat there and like get this fucking bum out of
1: here. And it's like that seat is reserved for Brad Pitt, right? And Brad Pitt alone, <laughs> right?
0: And then just little shit like that. And um, listen, we keep this chair open just in case Ben Affleck shows up, right? <laughs> shit like that. So it kind of became a little bit absolute power, corrupting mm-hmm. absolutely, in terms of they started a college, uh, like a ministry oh, college. Oh,
1: go figure. Religion leads to uh, corruption of power. Yeah, uh, uh, no shit.
0: Uh, go figure. Color me shocked. <laughs> but it was interesting the way they present the info, and um, I, I like a good kind of, not necessarily a crime documentary, this one kind of falls in line with it, because there are crimes, but it wasn't necessarily focused. but... These it guys, was more just exposing them, of like, these guys are some pretty terrible people. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of volunteers, they had, like, a motto going of, like, aren't we lucky we get to do this? Or some shit like this. Where <laughs> That like, sounds like some cult mentality where bullshit. Where they're working, like, 20-hour days, and they're like, fuck, we got to clean up everything afterwards. And, like, aren't we lucky to be here or whatever? No. So, like, labor exploitation, just no. all kinds of grimy shit. Pay me. No. And at the bottom of it all is, like monetary compensation for, you know, if you want to pledge Jesus if you pay us a thousand dollars, Jesus will reward you with finances in the future. That's
1: well why. it's all about setting the seed. The bigger the seed you plant, bigger you reap you will reap your rewards yeah, the bigger the
0: seed, the bigger the sow. If you
1: plant a on hundred dollars tonight, I promise you it'll turn into a hundred
0: thousand dollars in three months. Scratch that. Three hundred and forty thousand dollars <laughs> right it becomes an episode of fucking QVC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, it was an interesting documentary though, and I I didn't really it was. And if you send the money to this church specifically, don't invest in the
1: stock market because that's gonna fail you. Don't put it under your mattress because that's not gonna. But if you send
0: it to, to us, us, right,
1: we can guarantee you that the Lord is gonna bless you a yeah. hundred
0: times over. So yeah, that went exactly how you planned it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty familiar, and I, I, I just you're good. You I, can speak I, on I, it would be I, with being classy and not putting no, people down. no, believe just, what I, you want to believe,
1: but I, you know, I, I, yeah, believe what you want to believe, but yeah. like when the you're second above. the second you start charging for, the second you start charging for purity, the second you start charging for getting right with whatever spiritual being you have, you fucked up. I'm sorry. Just you have. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go on a tangent because we'll yeah. get canceled. Yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> believe what you want to believe without hypocrisy. Eh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah.
1: you you got to miss me with that. Explain yeah. to me how this works. Right, like, right. You explain it to me, and
0: yeah. I'll tell you whether or not I think you're full of shit. I'll, I'll just real quick, just to start, speak on some of the hypocrisy. The son, the guy who, the main son, forget it, the Australian guy, the one who found out that his dad was molesting boys. When he first founds out, he, he was on camera in front of the uh whatever the council is, whatever the fuck they call like a, a hearing. We charge you. Yeah. Well it was some council in Australia. We count you on forty counts of buggery. Yeah, right. But <laughs> he finds out that his dad's been doing it and they bring charges. And he says this out loud. He goes, My first thought was oh no, homosexual. And not oh shit my dad's a fucking pedo right and it just kind of shows you the type of person that like, right. you're dealing with here of like oh you made it all fucking clear so right you said the quiet part out loud. out loud yeah <laughs> so you, don't don't say that that's right those you are would, the those are the thoughts we keep inside yeah. so happy Pride Month to y'all hopefully <laughs> that guy goes to jail for something I hope so yes yeah. Yeah. yes uh, other than that I watched the movie uh, it's a low budget well it was not really a low budget it just wasn't a smash success. It was directed by Neil Brennan of Chappelle Show fame. Oh. Uh, it's called The Goods. Live. Oh. What is it? Live Fast, Sell Hard. That's the Jer- one with uh,
1: Jeremy Piven. Jeremy
0: Piven, an underrated performance. Yeah, of the yeah. Weekend, where where he
1: he's basically a mercenary salesman, and uh, he gets brought in to I think it's help sell like 1, it's a thousand cars to
0: clear of the lot, like eight hundred eighty-one cars. Right. Okay. Forty-one okay. cars, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. It, it, but he's only got like four days to it's do it. A weekend. It, right? He's got yeah, July Fourth okay. weekend to do okay, it. Okay. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 He's like a gun for hire, a tramp. Um, but it's actually got a lot of really funny people in it it's got obviously jeremy piven who mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of it's got my man craig robinson love Craig robinson it's got Catherine hahn who is love katherine brilliant hahn. and everything david kechner who's fucking really funny and everything Beautiful. yeah the, so Kim basically Zhang.
1: so like basically a, a veritable who's who of like the second coming of like what is it the chicago the the second city kids yeah yeah
0: yeah or the, the underlings, or the, the groundlings, underlings, right. Or groundlings, right? Groundlings, right. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, underlings, <laughs> underlings. My underlings, my
0: underlings.
1: Hashtag legions, hashtag underlings. Um, Welcome to the new flavor of bites video. <laughs> the underlings now featuring featuring underlings marshmallows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, patent pending. We will make money on this. Show. <laughs> But yeah, no, I fucking love that movie, man. It kind of became a little bit of a flop, but it was a Will Ferrell and Adam McKay produced joint, and um, Will Ferrell makes a cameo in it, and it gets me every fucking time. He plays a, a DJ for uh, his like Jeremy Piven's character hires him as a DJ, and they just go town to town selling cars and bouncing out. So for a promotion, <laughs> they decide for him to jump out of an airplane dressed as Abraham Lincoln. Ooh, Will Ferrell? Yeah, Will Ferrell. <laughs> and so whatever story points happen and he ultimately dives out and they switch backpacks so he has a backpack full of sex toys and he says something that gets me every time wait so he
1: dives out of an
0: airplane and expecting, an air,
1: expecting a parachute and then just dildos and butt plugs
0: fall just, flight, just float around with him and he says <laughs> he grabs a purple dildo and he says something he's like I'm gonna get into an aerodynamic tuck and let the dildo cushion my fall <laughs> And I know he's going to say it every time, but it fucking makes me laugh. And so he's only on screen for like a couple minutes. But he's like, as he's falling to earth, he's like, most people live their life and in their last moments, they have a moments filled with regret, things that they wish they didn't do. Me, I'm going to make a list of all the awesome things that I did. Number one, he's like, put my wisdom teeth surgically back into my skull <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so fucking stupid Molly's dressed like, like Abraham Lincoln Paul to his death
1: uh, I'm sure that was all improvised by Will Ferrell I was sure just like was. hey just we're gonna roll camera
0: you just come up with weird shit just go <laughs> he's like I never thought it was in this way but somehow I always knew it in this way <laughs> dressed up like Abe Lincoln coming to sell you cars that's how I fall to my death so, I don't know, that scene gets me every fucking time. And if you haven't seen that movie, sorry, I ruined it for you, but <laughs> it came out in like 2011, so fucking get with the time. <laughs> right. The, <laughs>
1: the window of spoilers is way, way close fast. on this. Yeah, but no,
0: everyone had, Everyone had. oh, Ving Rames is also in it, big shout out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Ving so. Rames. It's actually a really good cast. Some people don't like the movie, it falls kind of flat. I fucking love it. I can it. never remember if it's him or Michael, Michael Clark, Clark Duncan that's dead. It's Michael Clark. <laughs> I know. But like
1: every time they're like, oh, uh, Ving Rames is in a movie, I'm like, really? I thought he was... Oh, never mind. Never mind. And it's
0: not because black people look alike, is what Michael's saying. <laughs> it's because those two actors could probably be cast in similar roles, yes. is all he's yeah, saying. Very much. I get very what you're saying. Much. Before yeah. we step in a landmine here, <laughs> uh, I'm going to rate the movie. I'm going to give it um, three big ups. No, <laughs> oh, Ed Helms is in it. In a boy band in that movie, also. Ed Helms, really? yeah, a lot of good people, a lot of good actors too. in Tony Hale, yeah, fucking Kim Jong. That, I mean, it's this gasoline. is a veritable
1: who's who of like the most modern, com- uh, comedic actors right now. Alan Thicke too is in it. Alan
0: Thicke, yeah, Alan Thicke's in it. Father of Robin Thicke, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we're gonna go to break. We don't have a sponsor. Oh, our sponsor is our motherfucking t-shirts. Reach Goddamn out. Right. We got three left. Come buy them. Come buy them. Twenty bucks. Holler at your boy. We out here. We'll <laughs> we in right the streets. Back. We'll be right back.
1: All right. So we are back from our sponsor.
0: What you been watching industries? Yeah. Uh, Dude, the merch game. I'm so proud of ourselves. I'm so proud of ourselves. Crushed it. Uh, I'm I'm happy with all the way all the way around. Finally in the merch game. I'll tell
1: you what, if we can sell these last couple of t-shirts and actually cover the cost of buying,
0: like, investing in in them, we might do a second run. Why not? We might do a second run indeed, or different apparel, but we'll see. We'll cross those bridges. Three more left. Buy them, buy them, buy them. So so we both saw something. Two things. Did we? We did, I think so. We talked about it premeditatedly. (laughs) Uh, What you want to talk about? We can start in the past and go into the future. Or we can, uh, let's just start with Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. I did my homework. You mentioned this movie. Very nice. About two episodes ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, or One or two ago. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Either way, uh, it feels like an eternity ago, nonetheless. But uh, I finally did watch it on the YouTubes for the free. What did you think, sir? Man, it is campy as shit. Yeah, it is. Like, it is really campy. Um, I remember vividly seeing that, like I said, that movie cover. And I remember saying, like, banned in, in, uh, Seven nine countries, countries or whatever. Yeah. I did Google it. Apparently it was banned in Germany, which is kind of funny. They said for gratuitous blood and violence, especially with the lawnmower scene. At the end. <laughs> we don't take to that sort of violence here. I do not like the violence. And the blood gooshing. And the daffy um, Daffy, Would you like to swap, swap logs? We can't help ourselves, the Craig Ferguson. <laughs> now, I demand to be real, though, I dug it. Uh, ultimately, basic premise of the movie. Some dude goes and steals a monkey. It's a rat monkey from some... Sumatran rat monkey. Sumatran rat monkey. It bites the keeper. The keeper gets his arm chopped off and whatever. It's called the bite. Um, whatever. That monkey makes it to New Zealand mm-hmm. and bites this dude's mom. The mom transforms into a zombie and then yeah, it, wreaks it's havoc over of, the It's time. sort
1: of a uh, David Cronenberg uh, body horror... Slash a little bit of like Aster like mother trauma, sort of thing, where a little bit where the main character Lionel is sort of hen packed and uh, uh, nagged to death, nagged to death, nagged <laughs> by to death his, by, by his overbearing mom. Yeah. Um, she, she's one of those very prim and proper, sort of upper echelon, like. Uh, blue blood types yeah Um, she's very interested in her local community gardens and stuff like that anyway it makes him the bitch boy of the house yeah 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 like Lionel there's so much dust it's an inch thick and why haven't you
0: washed my pantyhose and mowed the lawns anytime you say lawns plural get out (laughs) Uh, mowed the lawns yeah But uh, ultimately, that's kind of what it is, though. And so she gets bit by a big-ass spider monkey. Big-ass Sumatran rat monkey. <laughs> Sumatran rat monkey. Which it almost takes the joy out when I say it in that way, because usually I make up animals. Like uh, any any snake, like a water moccasin, what do you think I would call that? Big-ass water hose. Wrong. That's a sea cobra. <laughs> Eels, also sea cobras. <laughs> a shark, that's a tooth fish. <laughs> Big ass toothed catfish. Yeah, exactly. So, um but yeah, no, and that's kinda where the, the movie takes place, but it just becomes really campy gory in a comedy at the same time. Essentially it turns into But it's gross out too though, man. It, like, it is very it is very there's a scene where she gets bit and then it like becomes crazy infected and like the the what's his name? Lyle, Lionel. Lionel, yeah, goes to like change the wound or whatever, change the, the, the bandage the, the bandage. And it's like pulsating and it's fucking gnarly looking. Yeah. And so they have company over, and she like squirts the pus of it into like some dude's custard, and he eats it. <laughs> her ear falls off, and it falls into her custard, and then she, oh, I'm about to throw up. And then she eats it. Ugh, I, gotta some water. <laughs> I don't gag easily. But ugh, it is. It is very much based on like the gore
1: factor, or but it, it's all campy gore. Like it, it's there's no. It's not violence in terms of like Braveheart, like. Where you see people getting their arms chopped off, and it, you it's, do, it's, but
0: not in the same. But fashion. but
1: it, it's more uh, Bruce Campbell
0: like yeah. Evil Dead, or or uh, like almost a uh, like a uh, um, was it a Shogun Assassin where you cut somebody in half and it right right yeah, right like right just a fountain of blood, of blood. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: exactly so it's it's all it's, it's, it's way it's, over the it's top. extremely violent but it's so over the top that it's almost funny. It is. It is. So basically, essentially Lionel tries to keep his mom and all these like all of his neighbors start getting affected, his priest gets infected, and so he he starts trying to keep the secret safe by putting them all in his basement. All of a sudden his uncle shows up to collect the, the debt on, on his mom's estate and ends up like blackmailing him into like owning the house. Brings over a whole bunch
0: of ruffians and like uh, greaser types. Yeah, uh, it takes then, place in the fifties apparently. Cause yeah, because when, when the mom died, they bury her. When well, she doesn't stay buried, but it said that she died in nineteen fifty-seven. So I would assume that's probably when it's or nineteen fifty-eight, right. whatever it was. Right, right. So and also there's like a love interest that the mom can't stand. She's like, get this floozy away from my boy. Who has such a thick accent that she's so hard to understand. It sounds like bad ADR on top of like an (laughs) accent. Is really what it sounds like to me. And I'm a fan of bad ADR, but like this was fucking tough.
1: (laughs) He's got the kilo coke in the trunk right now.
0: (laughs) Was that your Penelope Cruz in blood? (laughs) Right now.
1: That was such horrible ADR, dude. That was so bad. Every time I watch that scene, it cracks me up. Oh, Oh,
0: it's so good. But, um, I mean... I didn't really, there was things that didn't, there was no consistency into what happens with the zombies as to how quickly they Oh turn. no, there's no rules. The thing is, I, I did learn this, if, you, if you're if you just, in well, initially, if you were just infected, it took a while, because it took the mom like a few days sure. to, to die from the infection. Alright? And then, but once she was dead, it was like she sprung back to life immediately. And once she killed somebody, as the zombie, that person would spring to life immediately. Right. So, but like, if you just like got bit, it took a little while. But it
1: was fucking weird. So depending on where you are in the infection level depends depends on how fast you
0: can turn somebody. Yeah, but it was fucking weird, though. I mean,
1: eventually, it just... Once you were the
0: dead alive, you could turn somebody immediately.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And you were, like, immortal, pretty much.
1: Eventually, it just turns into this whole zombie horde where... Everybody in the neighborhood is infected except for him, his girlfriend, and the uncle, the uncle,
0: and some random chick in the house. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, yeah. She got
0: bit, but she hadn't turned yet. So yeah. yeah. But
1: it's all it's all campy violence. Like one of them gets shoved into an electrical box and sparks up, and and they uh, turn we, into a, a Christmas tree.
0: Before all of that, though, when he like the rules of it don't make sense. Also, because they're like bloodthirsty zombies, right? And then somehow they're like tame around Lionel like he's like oh here's your porridge and he like pours well, tranquilizer in it because they
1: they they explain it it's because he keeps feeding them ketamine to keep them subdued so he keeps injecting his mom and the nurse with the with the with her head cut off keeps injecting them with ketamine and then eventually he learns i can just feed them like raw beef with ketamine and they'll all stay docile right. but then like the priest gets infected and comes like becomes this horny zombie who tries to fuck the nurse oh he does and then they end up having a zombie baby that it turns into like baby's day out kind of thing it does it turns into child's care or what is it child's play child's play yeah yeah. yeah, yeah no yeah. that
0: child's play is the Chucky movie yeah. um, uh, what's the baby's day what is the fucking baby's day out baby's day out yeah, yeah. yeah which is apparently the gestation period for a zombie baby like 30 minutes it's like fucking yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the hour it's fucking it was like yeah they were banging it out in there and then boom which the baby was fucking annoying, but watching him beat the shit out of the baby on the playground, slamming it up against <laughs> with all the mothers in disgust was actually pretty fucking funny.
1: It's like I said, it's it's very physically comedy driven,
0: um, but it's also over the top gore in the best way. We googled a little fact here. Apparently, in just the the final well. The final climax of the scene. You want to tell them what it was, and it'll. It's basically Lionel has a
1: lawnmower and he's holding it up for the lawns, either... <laughs> for the lawns. <laughs> As in, is holding up and just swing it into a, a swath of, of zombies, and just limbs and heads and torsos and blood just flying everywhere. I mean, if you think they
0: can't pack more blood into a movie, you're wrong. They pack. All the blood. It's a fucking lot. Apparently, it was three hundred liters, or about five gallons per second, or something like that, or half a gallon per second, something like that. Yeah, five gallons per second. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Spilling out, and it's not. And mind one.
1: you, the final like fight goes on for at least I don't know eight to twelve minutes. It's
0: yeah, it's pretty lengthy. At so least that can, segment of it. So is. you
1: consider five five gallons a minute for eight to twelve seconds, or eight, 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 uh, eight to twelve minutes. That's a lot of fucking blood. I'm not going to do the math for you. Fuck yeah, you. We you don't do, do
0: it. math. You're on this show. We're not scientists. <laughs> We're not scientists, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, it was it was cool though, man. For what it was, it was. Um, I know you and Matthew are big. It, it's weird. I was watching in a setting I probably shouldn't have been. Uh-huh. Um, so I couldn't really like get into it the way I wanted to, but I was definitely invested in it. But um, it held my attention though. But you and Matthew are way bigger fans of Camp than I am. In certain ways, and then in other areas, which you guys don't understand, like it's it's dead. it's so funny. <laughs> Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, that, <laughs> the way y'all go to bat for that movie is fucking weird. Which,
1: but um, I mean, this is this is by definition camp. Like, oh in, yeah. in, in, there's no way to deny how campy this movie is. It's and, not and, only you you almost have to lose yourself in how ridiculous it is, and how bad it is too. Let's be—I don't know how Peter Jackson well, went from that. It's it's bad, but. But he puts all the effort into it. Like This is a movie that is not constrained by imagination. It's constrained by budget. And so in the best way possible, it's Peter Jackson putting his imagination
0: to work and then being like, all right, so we have exactly $7 to spend on that special effect. He definitely knew which shots he wanted because as the zombie... Like I said, you get like fucking immortal. And so (laughs) there was one scene where they kill somebody but like and that's the other thing like the zombies when they're fighting Lionel and his girlfriend he can just push them over and then everybody else they can with one hand punch through your skull and work you like a puppet <laughs> right. or the one dude grabs a dude one one person pins somebody down another zombie runs up and grabs a dude by the face and peels the skin peels. off of his face. Which is a great effect. Yeah, and another dude literally uh, dives his hands into somebody's rib cage and just pulls out the entire like, bird cage, like <laughs> lungs and all, and then just like...
1: <laughs> a zombie gets cut in half, and then his in his uh, uh, intestines come to life and end up trying to attack the protagonist, and it's a, it's a giant colon strung together by intestines and stomach tissue attacking the, the the
0: main protagonist crawling down a wire which also the lung or the the intestines and the stomach and stuff apparently has a different personality than the person it came from <laughs> which makes no fucking sense because it was like vein in the mirror like went up and was like ooh la la <laughs> it's like begged we're for talking mercy. nonsense i understand this is a hard yeah. movie to follow
1: but just watch it. It's fucking fantastic. Especially if you're a fan of the, like, Sam Raimi or the, like, uh, uh, Roger Corman sort of body horror and violence. There's a little bit of Quentin Tarantino mixed in there. Uh, a little bit of Kevin Smith just in terms of it's so guerrilla style and so indie lot of flavorific oh that it, it's almost amazing how
0: much they put on screen based on how much you see the budget is worth and again just to go back to it because I you know what shots Peter Jackson like the ones we described earlier where the dude gets his face ripped off and there's certain scenes where like you know that he had an idea in his mind of exactly what he wants it to look like and then he's like that's where we're spending money on this is what we got to show (laughs) and yes this is my Peter Jackson Peter Jackson I just don't know how (laughs) yes he's also in the transporter also in the transporter Oh science is he had te- testicles the size of tangerines yeah. <laughs> he's Michael Caine got Yeah. anyway that was another weird tangerine we're full of them tonight though we're off the rails so we're with it. I might be a few drinks into it we're, we're, not good. we're off the rails just a little bit um I, I dug it though. Like movies like this have their purpose, man. It's to say I, I didn't mean it's like oh it's so bad, but like it is kind of bad. But it's oh it is. you can appreciate it. It is. It's a but lot it, of close ups. It, it and shit knows like that, exactly what type of movie it is. It it again it's
1: it's Peter Jackson reaching for the stars, but with a very
0: limited budget.
1: And for what it's worth, he makes good do of it.
0: Yeah, I guess my my with all the logic and stuff aside from this movie. um, how did he jump from that to being like, "Hey, you're gonna helm a multi hundred million dollar franchise in Lord of the Rings?" Because he made a movie based
1: on sheer genius and vision, did it for about mm, I'm gonna guess less than a hundred thousand dollars. I am, yeah. made it look great. And then goes, now... He said, great. <laughs> I mean, for what it was. For what it was. It doesn't it, take you out of it. So, yeah, it, yeah. it it looks, it looks good. Yeah, like, yeah. It, you can tell where he spent the money. So then it's very easy to go to a studio and go, hey, listen, you've seen what I can do with $100,000. Now imagine if you give me $8
0: million. How is that going to work? It's, if I was a studio head, I'd be like, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> unless he just came in with like and he if he unless he's like the greatest salesman ever on this Lord of the Ring shit, which apparently he is because he's a fucking encyclopedia of it. Sure. He must love it to his core and be like, Look, you're gonna do it. I'm the guy to do it, and here's why. And it must he must have really impressed because and I'm not being mean, I'm not saying this movie is like a again, I'm not saying it's a terrible movie but it's vastly different than lord of the rings oh, and for for me to trust no, no. you with an indie it, like that to that it's like, it is
1: vastly different but i'm saying in terms of in terms of a sales pitch you could probably do worse to have that on your resume in terms of like i w- if, if i was going to do
0: in the a sense sales of pitch, i've made a movie huh in the sense of i've made a movie
1: no 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 but but it's not just i've made a movie but like look what i can do on a limited budget a limited right. time scale a limited cast I mean, I'm not saying that Dead Alive looks like a million bucks, but you can tell that he put every effort into it. Like, this this is a guy who understands how films are made, how to shoot a thing, as 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 campy and as as silly as it looks, it all looks really good.
0: Yeah, I get it. I mean I, so if, I get if, your if, logic. So if
1: you can show me how to sh- how to shoot a, a a movie that looks good and also, hey, I did this on a limited budget. Why not? Why
0: wouldn't I at least here's the thing is this is where we're different. i I'll follow you on that logic a hundred percent. I agree with you. Where I'm not willing to take the leap with you is going from that budget. To a hundred million dollars, <laughs> in which I'm going to rest a franchise on. That's but that's the. I understand what you're saying. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I, that's the leap in logic that I'm like, damn, he must have really liked Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but you understand that like I, I, he did
1: other films in between that. Oh, did that, he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: uh, I don't know those. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, uh, Dead Alive, also AKA Brain
0: Dead, came out in 1992. 92. Yeah. What the movies, I, I didn't Google it, but what are the movies did he do between that? Let's all go to the
1: lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. They don't
0: need to interlude from one song to another. So I guess he did do a couple other things. He did The Frighteners. Yeah. And what was the other one? He did The Lovely Bones after... Lord and then
1: Lord. eventually King Kong. And yeah, I just mean uh, between that though, but that, heavenly that was crea- only, heavenly
0: creatures. That was the one. Okay, yeah, yeah that yeah. was my my gap in logic though. Was like it's a big jump in funding, but hey, sometimes you you get on track with a with a studio. They're going to give you some tests. You pass those tests. You come in time. You come on budget. You get to make the movie you want to make. So good on you, Peter Jackson. So, but no, I enjoyed this man. I would give it. For all the practical effects and everything, I would give it um,
1: 1,300 gallons of blood. Yeah, that's about all you can do. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to
0: say, uh, oh, no, four Pez Dispenser Zombies. Four? Four Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. That's a reference for one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) it It was enjoyable though, man. I appreciate you putting me on that. Um, the other movie we watched that we definitely want to talk about, and this is a little bit much bigger budget, uh, A Farewell to a Franchise. Oh, yeah. We watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What did you think, man? Uh, a very sad movie about a very lonely raccoon. Jesus Christ, is it ever? I mean... Who was your favorite, before this, who was your favorite Guardian?
1: Okay, so... When they first announced the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie, like as you know, I I I I pride myself on being a, a, a Marvel uh, erudite. Uh, uh, I tend to know a lot of things about Marvel things comics, and and, <laughs> and 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 I've always been sort of been a reference for people around me in terms of like, oh, what's up with Iron Man? What's the story of Thor? What's the story of Spider Man? And right, so. When when dad when our dad called me up and was like, "Hey, what's the deal with this Guardians of the Galaxy movie?" I literally had to be like, "I have no idea." That's a comic from the '70s that didn't do very well, and I never read it. I don't know.
0: Turns out, one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time. Anybody that says they were a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy is lying to you. The movie or the the series and the comics got written and then canceled and then brought back and canceled. And even then, like Star Lord was such an ancillary. He was a genocidal fucking asshole. Like, yeah. He killed a lot of people. He wasn't yeah. like Mister. W- and then he kind of became like really White knightish of like, oh, save White you. Nightish, White knight-ish. <laughs> Um And then he became the Star Lord that we know today via the movies, which they Well, because it was Marvel Comics boring.
1: says Marvel Comics is is trying to incorporate the movie lore into the comic lore to try and tie everything together so that they can have familiar characters that everybody recognizes. Right, so, right. But, but, but before that, he was a completely ancillary character that had nothing to do... Like, So was, I think I think he was involved in like only a few
0: issues of the original run and then went away for a long time. Yeah, he was a space cop pretty much. Yeah. Fucking kind of lame to be honest with you. And he would pop up. It was one of those, who was that again? Because, you know, they do the splash pages with as many characters as you can get and they have these You know, um, cosmic kind of crossover events. There's usually one on Earth, and then there's one cosmic. But we're we're spinning out of that. Well, and 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 Yondu was
1: basically like space Legolas, and uh, Groot was a
0: king from Planet X or whatever like that. Yeah, yeah, was originally a villain that they just sort of brought back. Drax Uh, was vastly different. He was a he was a somebody that you did know. Yeah, that uh, was, like, that was pretty, but a Jack Kirby was a, character. But he was yeah. a fucking moron, and he wore a big purple cloak, and he could shoot lasers out of his hands. He was almost like it was almost like Space Hulk, you know? Pretty in much. terms of, like,
1: Drax smash.
0: Yeah. Drax hate Purple Man. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think those are exact lines yeah. from comics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. um, Gamora, obviously, in Nebula, we knew, but that was about it. But, I mean, in terms of the movies, like, who was your favorite? Because I was always a rocket guy. He was always my favorite. I'm going to oh man of of
1: the original I mean based on the first movie obviously Peter Quill is is the one to watch because he's got all the quippy lines he's he's the smart ass he's he's essentially the main protagonist through through which we learn about the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now as that went on I tended to like Drax a little bit more because cuz he's invisible. <laughs> well, in a weird way like This is a weird reference, but like, I love good comedy wrestlers like Colt Cabana or Santino Morella or Luna Vachon, like blending the kayfabe of being a badass, but also being funny. And so I think that Drax sort of hit that niche mark for me, um in terms of yes he's badass but also he's hysterically funny Um, he
0: is he's definitely the most likable of of them all the most approachable for sure um of all the guardians for sure yeah and then once they introduce mantis i
1: I love the the point counterpoint between drax and her like i think that they've really developed a a great relationship of they're shaggy and scooby yeah yeah well, well not even shaggy and skew it's, not, it, it's, it's like the odd couple it's, it's like uh, uh, Oscar Madison and uh,
0: the other one the other, other one. odd couple yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Where, where like one is so serious and so to the point literal. And, 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 and literal and the other one is just pure emotion and pure fantasy and pure like I love everybody and isn't this great So I I think that was a really great dynamic between the two of them.
0: I'm with you. I I brought it up because they shoehorned this whole trilogy being a Rocket Raccoon story. And I applaud them for that. Um, It was a really emotional movie. Really good send off. I like the fact that you can tell that all the actors were tired of spending so much time in the fucking makeup chair. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, hey, guess what? We're only doing the arms and the head now. Or the neck and head. That's it. Everyone was in the car. For the most part. Not not 100% of the scenes, but... You can tell they really cut down. I'm like, yo, I'm tired of being shirtless with fucking paintings all over me. And I'm tired of, <laughs> yeah. Like, let's... So let's see if we can take the uh, six-hour makeup to about,
1: let's say, two, two and two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Meh.
0: Me being up at two in the morning, and maybe can I get up at six right. for a, a call? You know, right, so, right, 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 yeah. Which was fine. I mean, it's the evolution of characters. It kind of happens in a lot of movies. You just kind of have to pay attention. to Which it. is
1: not to say that the makeup looks cheap or the makeup looks like no. They
0: just put a fucking uniform on them. They're yeah, uniformed yeah, as the yeah, guardians yeah, yeah, now. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. The, it's Drax isn't isn't walking around shirtless the entire time. Gamora, her her makeup is more simplified, more. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nebula ha- has a completely different look. In- instead of her being with her right arm and makeup, they just put a, a green sleeve a- yep. on it and just turned it into like, oh, now her arm can turn into any weapon ever. So yeah, we're just gonna much. we're just gonna CGI that shit.
0: Yep, yep. So smart on them for doing it that way, uh, especially if you're an actor and you probably get tired of it by that point. Yeah. Um, but no man, what'd you think though? I, I dug it a lot. Um, I like it better than the second one, to be honest with you. I did too. It, it's it's really strange
1: that, not strange, but it's it's so it's so good to see a Marvel comic movie where the first one is great, and then the second one is better, and then the third one
0: is the best. In why is even betterer. Yeah, I I think <laughs> the first one would be good if, if to be honest. And this, is, I, I think Lee Pace was fine. They just misused Ronan like sure. entirely he was right. just a miss right. it was like huh? well w-
1: when the final conflict comes down to a dance off yeah. sure it- it's campy it's fun but you miss it whereas in the second one it it literally comes down to a father father son struggle it it's it's literally i have to defeat my old man in order to not necessarily take his place but like replace him as it's always been a champion drama. championing being better than your dad
0: kind of thing. Yeah, and also when you realize your dad's a dick right? and you're like, oh, I don't have to be that. So, it's... I dug... I mean, I like I like that. That series is really in terms of 1, 2, and 3 pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. If somebody said that's the best of the series, it'd have to compete with Spider-Man. Sure. Which is fucking consistently, like we mentioned, pretty good across the board. But,
1: but in a weird way, like... All the storylines that they built up over the first two movies, like Rocket Raccoon's backstory, uh, well, yeah. the, the the love story between well, they didn't touch Rocket Raccoon's backstory, but you, he's always sort of intimated or hinted that like he's had a he's had a rough oh morning, yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. like like he's never fully been like and here is my story and I was right but he's always sort of intimated that you don't want to get into my backstory you don't want to know where I come from it, it's too painful. But also building the, the relationship between Peter Quill and Gamora to where now it's a, it, it's a relationship lost and all Peter wants to do is reconnect and, and fall in love with the Gamora that he knew and Gamora is basically saying, like, I'm not that person. Right. The person that you knew is not me. We're not there yet and it's unfair for you to assume that you and I are going to go there. We didn't have the same interactions.
0: Right. I barely know you, dude. Right. And you came on pretty strong when I met you. Yeah. No. That is one issue that I bumped up with, and I think we've talked about it when we spoke a little bit about Infinity War, um, which we haven't really done, but we will soon. Um, All of Peter Quill and Gamora's relationship develops off screen. Yeah. Like, in the first movie, they kind of, oh, will they, won't they? And he's like, oh, I kind of like her, you know? And it's like, oh, we're family now. And that was kind of the whole thing. It's like, oh, we can band together. In the second one, he does kind of win her over. Mm-hmm. And then by the time this you get to Infinity War Like they, they Gamora get, dies. Gamora and, di- Well, hang, on, but like in the second one, it's like, okay, now we're an item. And that's all you that's where they leave it at the end of the second one. In Infinity War, they make the leap from, okay, we're an item, to our love is worth burning down the cosmos. Right. Like, that is a fucking leap. And that's the one thing I don't that I feel is missed. And I get you had Just like everything, you have to, while other movies are going on, their story is still continuing. Sure. So, some people like the fact that, like, dude, you don't have to spoon feed me that. But me, it was like, that was the leap, like, when he punched Thanos. Like, yeah, that's your that was your friend, that's one thing. But he's like, our love, and he says it in the third movie, our love was just so, oh, it was amazing, and, like, made others envious, or whatever it was. And it's like, you never showed us that as an audience. Right. Not once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not once. And that was one of the issues I do have with the film. I believe that it existed. I, I'm willing to say, I'm sure James Gunn could tell me a story right now if I were to call him, which, which I do have as number. You should call him. Yeah. <laughs> do um, it right now. I'm sure he could tell me a story of, like, I could tell you a, a Gamora Quill story about sure. how that works. All we did was see him dance together and share a couple moments. And then it's like, oh, but our love was this. And it's like, dude, not really. And as, as the audience, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of with her on this one. Like, right. I don't doubt that you're heartbroken, but like, I don't. That was one issue I did really bump up to in this movie. And it's been kind of throughout the Guardians thing is we just have to take everyone's word at it that like hey I'm worth half my love for Gamora is worth half of the universe dying like I get your irrational Peter Quill but like you didn't you didn't sell me that as an audience and that's one opportunity I think that was missed and they continue that same of like well you gotta believe us it was wonderful like eh well
1: I mean they sort of they sort of preview that in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie where spoiler alert Peter Quill meets his dad, Ego, and then Ego reveals that he put cancer inside his inside his mom's brain, Uh, not because he was being malicious or whatever, but like he knew that he could, if if she didn't die, he would always he would never leave, whatever. So when Peter Quill hears that, you know, they're 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 bonding. Ego's turning him to his side, and then as soon as Peter hears that that Ego killed his mom. He shoots him in the face. So there's so they do sort of set up the impetuousness and the 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 trigger response of Peter that's in true. that movie. That's true. So I don't I don't want to say that's necessarily unwarranted. They do ask
0: you to make a pretty prodigious leap in logic. I wasn't necessarily as upset that Peter was Impulsive. Mm-hmm. That wasn't because he's a guy that doesn't have a plan. Even though once it goes according to his plan, he's like, "Oh, that was my plan." Right. Right. Because he says that to Tony Stark. So that the problem wasn't that he was impulsive; it was the fact that it was over his love for Gamora. Was my thing. I was like, really? Like, you guys are just kind of buddies, as far as I know, know, as an audience member. And now it's like... Like, you weren't
1: fully convinced of, like, how rich and true, and, like, this is a love that's going to conquer the cosmos kind of thing. Yeah, that was the part I mean, we boned a couple of times, you know. Yeah. We did some pretty messed up junk. We did some pretty... One time in the 80s, that I did not enjoy (laughs) it. Uh,
0: That's a bunch of ladies' men references. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, I have known uh, many... Fine skanks from bus station skanks to Burger King bathroom skanks <laughs> to houseboat
0: skanks to To green space skanks. <laughs> green space skanks. Um, so, yeah, that was one of my issues, though, uh, in terms of that one. And I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna get some of the things I didn't like about it uh, out of the way and then mm-hmm. we can praise it even more because it, it is a fucking great movie and a wonderful send off. Um, the other thing I thought they missed on was the misuse of Adam Warlock. Agreed. Agreed. I agree. Just he he without- offered nothing to the to the plot line other than
1: in the spoiler alert in the very last scene he saves P- Peter Quill, but you could have put Cosmo in that role. You could have put Rocket in that role, and it would have it would have had a, a bigger impact. Like if Rocket had been the one to finally jump out of the spaceship and pull Peter Quill back in. It would have been a a, comp, a a completion of Rocket finally accepting his family and finally accepting that like Peter Quill is his brother or his uncle or or whatever father right, figure right. he has you know like right
0: or is the solid dude and you gotta or look just out for whatever some, yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. maybe you're supposed to take that leap with Adam Warlock and the other thing I have an issue with we'll get to some of the characters motivations ultimately. Adam Warlock, without boring everybody, in the comic books is like one of the ones who wielded the fucking infinity gauntlet to save right. the day. Like, he is like a major player on the cosmic scale. He's not like eternity or something like that. One of the like. But he ultimately, at one point, was like a god. He was so powerful that he himself decided right. to split up all six infinity stones, talk to. Uh, the Living Tribunal, who was like Justice and Eternity, and be like, hey, don't make these work in unison anymore, and I'm going to have six people, including myself, guard them all day. Right. And they can work right. individually, but never in unison. So he creates the Infinity Watch. Like, that's what a big player he is. And, which I love, he's, one of the things he did was he gave one of the stones back to Thanos, because he never told right. everyone who else... One of them was there was there Drax was a huge mystery of of who's who the sixth owns it right who owns the 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 sixth Infinity Stones. Yeah it was Pip Moon Dragon who's Drax's daughter who apparently is just fucking dead in the MCU <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's like Drax Moon Dragon Adam Warlock uh, Pip the Troll Gamora and. The sixth one nobody knows was mm-hmm. Thanos, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to give it back to Thanos." Why would you do that? He's like, "Because he understands the power of these stones more than anyone." It turned him mad, you know. It turned like he understands it better than anybody. Why did well, he and also
1: to like at at the very least, I'll always know where one of the infinity in, uh, one of the Infinity Stones is. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no way that Thanos is going to give it up. There's no way that Thanos is going to trade it. There's no way that Thanos is going to let it go out of his hands without him dying first. So at the yeah. very
0: least. If it all comes down to it, I know where that six Infinity Zone right. is, and so that's the major player that Adam Warlock is in the comics. And in this one, they pretty much relegate him to being a gold Superman who is a lap dog, a sick and he flies but he, off. And, but he's a buffoon, and, yeah, and he—he's a yeah, an untrained, an he,
1: he's an impetulant child.
0: He's he's a, a preteen based on hormones and emotions, right. And so it was just kind of misused in my opinion yeah. and it But it, but even then even forgiving even forgiving like that's not my
1: Adam Warlock quote unquote he added nothing to the story right. he's a lapdog he's a it, there there was no reason for him to be involved in the plot line at all you could have easily substituted every single one of the Adam Warlock scenes for
0: any other character already in the movie yeah he had a, an allegiance to Aisha, the gold lady from the second movie, obviously, and it was just like they say, oh, well, we took him out of the cocoon too early, and so like he's just kind of a fucking idiot. Which I guess that's like their way to explain it, and I guess the reason why he saved Peter Quill is to say they're like, oh, he's still not done maturing, and this is right. like you're supposed to take the leap with him. But up to that point, all he had tried to do was kill everybody, and they'd show up and be like, oh, my ticket to freedom is bringing this little raccoon back to the High Evolutionary. And that was his whole goal. And then at one point, the final one I have is once again, character motivations. Gamora at one point, is, again, has no connection to Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. She betrays the entire Guardians of the Galaxy and then they get ambushed and guess what? She has to like, not even like partner with them. She's right. just kind of with them. She gets... Right, she's just there. She's like almost captured by the Guardians of the Galaxy. And at one point... No, they they literally... She she even
1: says, this, says the line like, well you guys can just drop me off with of the Ravagers and... I think it's Nebula that says, like, we don't have time for that.
0: Yeah. Like, well, they, just, they just completely wash over it, like, well, you're with us now. Well, like, yeah, she goes on board, oh, we're going to go with you to make sure that whatever, for whatever reason, the Ravagers need her to go because they're fucking pirates, whatever. <laughs> and so they're just like, no, we're not doing that, we tricked you, whatever. So she's kind of like a prisoner of them. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of the movie is that Rocket Raccoon is the one, the only one that could truly understand. The high evolutionary could program people to regurgitate information. No one could free think. Rocket Raccoon and his friends were the first ones to achieve Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess we should touch on that a little but bit. Yeah, but yeah, like, let, me, let me finish my, my character mode mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'll dive into that gladly, just while we're on it. Um, Gamora ultimately is their prisoner. It behooves her to... She says it like nine times in the movie, why don't we just turn the space rodent over? Why don't we just mm-hmm. turn the space rodent over? At one point, Adam Warlock is coming to destroy the ship. They're on a planet that's like... There is no better time, and they leave her alone with Rocket to protect, to, like to protect Rocket while he's in a coma. And it's like, there is no greater time to take this fucking rodent and go turn it over to the High Evolution when his base is right there. Right. Hey, so here's that thing you've been looking for this. Yeah. Whole by the way, can I go now? Hey,
1: uh, this MacGuffin. I brought it right to you. Yeah. Can I go now? I really don't <laughs> like these guys at all. And fuck him fuck the tree guy fuck the autistic dude fuck, yeah. <laughs> the, fuck the weird mantis lady yeah
0: like can I get at particularly fuck that raccoon looking badger motherfucker yeah and this dude that's been trying to fuck me against my will this whole time <laughs> right. like, trying this to catch this white knight motherfucker yeah and so at some point Adam Warlock shows up and she like protects Rocket mm-hmm. for some reason and it makes maybe I miss something because I don't know because I went pee like not at that scene but like a little bit like a couple minutes before <laughs> right. that scene but I was like what the fuck did I miss like why is she protecting Roy? it made no sense so that's about it uh, in terms of like the beef I had with it and I did like it the fact that and they brought in Phy LaVelle but that's a whole different thing um, <laughs> but that was like the thing like some of the characters motivations just made no sense but like outside of those things I fucking dug this shit out of this movie so mm. you were talking about and I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to finish mm-hmm. my sure, yeah, beef yeah, yeah. with it. and if you added anything else that you wanted to say on those um, in terms of character motivations, uh, so yeah, so
1: talking about the the high evolu- the 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 main villain is the high evolutionary, who's basically his main motivation is that he's trying to create the perfect society, and he's trying to do it through genetic evolution and and. Genetic tampering. Experimentations. Experimentations. Yeah. Um, yeah, His whole motivation for why he wants Rocket is a little paper thin. Basically, he wants Rocket because Rocket demonstrates an ability to think creatively or or lateral thinking. Problem-solving. Problem-solving. Whereas... Every other incarnation of his of his creations have been automatons or just placid robots to to just fulfill a role. So he creates Rocket and Rocket actually helps him solve a problem with one of the genetic machines. One of the genetic machines. Yeah. So he
0: ultimately like what Michael's saying is he that he could create beings of immense intelligence. And you could you could put a book in front of them. And they could learn quantum physics uh, physics in a week. Right. The problem is, is like... They're regurgitating information. The information, yeah. There's right. no like problem solving in it. There's no like, okay, what do you do with this now? So Rocket is the first one that goes,
1: oh, well, if you just change the filters here and realign the antimatter with the quasi-matter with the filters. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just star track our science. And so... That's that's the motivation for the the high evolutionary to recapture Rocket. That's that's the whole impetus is he's trying to recreate the creativity part of Rocket's brain and, impl- and, and, and implement it into his future creations. Yeah,
0: and that's why they they sick Adam Warlock on him. Right. Like, bring me back the raccoon, whatever. And so that's why, like in the previous movies. Uh rocket raccoon says ain't no one like me but me right and he means it you didn't realize that when he was saying but he really means like brother there's not another one like me truly it might be something that looks like me but it ain't me right so can't think like and he might be after this movie one of the and this changes the dynamic of of the marvel like hierarchy you know you always joke about who's the smartest being in it it's probably like Shuri's probably really high up there. Right. Like Rocket might be one of the smartest beings in the universe. Right, you know. Right. In terms of like practical knowledge of like what the fuck are you doing? Like the dude can escape from a jail with just like, hey, uh, bring me this dude's leg, this dude's eye. <laughs> I do love the fact that um, in order to like he tries to help his friends, you know, his mm-hmm. sad that's why he always has an obsession with collecting we, body parts. Can we talk about well, hang on, the sad that, friends? Yes, we can. But I like the fact that they shoehorned in. Like, they gave a reason as to why in every movie, why he's like, has another dude's eye or like wants that leg or I'm going to get that arm from right. Bucky. He's always collecting body parts. So, anyways, yes, yeah. so yeah, so let's please talk about the sad tree friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the sad tree friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it the whole movie is really a rocket origin story that sort of ties in later. But I mean, just so sad. Just, just a rocket coming into a a life of, so basically he's created by the high evolutionary who is again, trying to design the perfect life form to design the perfect society to perfect the universe. And, selects Rocket and all of his animal friends. He brings in a walrus and a bunny and an otter. And he manipulates them and, and gives them cybernetic enhancements and, and and turns them into cyborgs and all these mechanical manipulations. And it's really just an allegory for, like, childhood trauma and, like, having bad parents. and. Yeah your parents fuck you up so bad that you can't help but be the person you are today. And then on top of it, all of his friends die. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, spoiler alert, I cried about four times this entire movie. I mean, there's... there's They really do a good job of building Rocket Raccoon with his animal friends and, and him learning about life and, and sort of... The way things are through his friends and this very young, this very young uh, uh, mentality of like the future and and hopes and 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 yes, yeah, so you, you have to, what, what do you really want to accomplish and yeah. what do you want out of life and then to have it all ripped away in tragic fashion. Yeah. You really understand why Rocket is like, oh no, I keep everybody at arm's distance. Because the second I let you get close is the second you're taken away from me
0: and then I have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, He was saying everything I love dies. He said anyone close to me dies. And he wasn't saying it to be dramatic. He was saying it to be factual in some of the earlier films. So there's a scene where the high
1: evolutionary implements intelligence into Rocket and then immediately throws him into a cage and he's got all these cybernetic implants And then he meets his friends. He meets, you know, Toofs and Floor and Lila, who are these other creatures that have been experimented on. And there's a scene where this this rabbit Floor, who has had her arms ripped away and she's turned into this weird spider mechanical creature with her, she's got this big face mask on. And she's asking Rocket, like, words. Does it know? Can it talk? Can it speak? Can Can it express? And the very, very first words that Rocket Raccoon ever says as an intelligent being is hurt. Oh. It hurts. Yeah. So to bring that dynamic, your very the very first words you ever speak, the very first impulse you ever have in a world where you are cognizant of the world around you is it hurts. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I I'm, I'm really underselling it, but yeah. it's such an emotionally driven scene that, like, immediately you feel for everybody involved, and especially Rocket, and you just want this little raccoon to just like, I just really hope it all works out, and then it
0: doesn't. It doesn't, yeah, it he, doesn't at all. Once he gives him the secret to try to, um, yeah, yeah. Once the uh, once he gives the high evolutionary kind of like the secret on, hey, like here's how you fix your machine he brings him back and he's like why did you know that why did you know that how did you know that and he fucking cuz he's obsessed this is his life work and he's like right. why is it why are you special to me
1: well his whole his whole thing is i can create beings with the most superior intelligence and yet they couldn't figure it out and yet here you are a throwaway a mistake a a a an experiment on how can we make this work that doesn't really matter And yet you can figure it out. You're a stepping
0: stone. Yeah. Yeah. And so he decides that at that point he's like, oh, so you figured it out. Like, are we going to go with you? He's like, you're not going with me. You're not the, you have no part in this. I thought you would, all people would understand that. So he's like, I'm going to, we're about to die. So he goes to break his friends out. And sure enough, right when he gets them free, (laughs) turns around, pistol shot, pistol shot. He's like, motherfucker. So one of the first things he does is builds a gun, and that's yeah. how you know Rocket is like about it. First thing he yeah. does, he looks at a couple parts, and starts blasting. Yeah, so that's yeah. what he knows, it's, man. It's
1: it's the it's the weird turn of it's the loss of innocence. It's up until then Rocket always thought that he was a, a part of something bigger. He always thought that he was going to be part of the 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 high evolutionaries' new world order and he was going to be a, a significant a significant part of of building this new perfect world, and then literally the high evolutionary tells him, "Oh no, you are incidental. You yeah. don't matter. There is no way that you had any part in my. You are an experiment to be thrown away." And then his immediate response is, "Well, fuck it, violence." Yeah, and that's why in the previous, fuck it, just everybody dies now. Yeah, everybody, fuck dies. it. Yeah. You are not going to contain me in a cage anymore. I am going to do what I want to do from now on. And in a weird way, it's this weird, like, teenager mentality of, like, well, you can't control me, dad. But it's very justified.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's why he says in one of the other, there's no, there's no prison that can hold me. And he talks about, I've broken out of all of them. So he's like, yo, I'm gonna get out of here. Like, yeah. trust me. There's nothing. This is what I do. This is one of the first things I did. So it's it's really definitely worth it, man. I would uh, I recommend it. It's a satisfying ending to the Guardians saga. And, and
1: they do a good job of setting up the storylines between. I mean, like we talked we touched on it before of Peter Quill and Gamora and Drax and Mantis and Groot and Rocket and all the things that they set up in movie one that have played out over three movies. You get, a, you get a, a really nice bow on the end of all of them. Like, you understand each character's story arc and why they are where they are right now. And then in the end, it's all satisfying. Like, Gamora goes
0: away and... Yeah, spoiler alert real quick, but we had made a prediction very early on when the trailer dropped and we talked about it on the podcast. We were like, not all of these Guardians are going to make it. All of them live. Yeah. All of them. Fucking very surprising, and they they put him in a good place. But
1: they still, but they still find a way to split up the team in terms of like. I mean, there's the whole tragic story of you know Cosmo, the the space dog gets called the. Craglin calls her a bad dog in the very beginning of the movie, and then throughout the entire movie, she's you know bolshe moy you should not say such things about me. Yeah, well, you're a bad dog anyway. Yeah, not
0: again. Yeah, she finally. It hurts so much. Yeah. (laughs) And like Drax is without his purpose and Mantis is like your purpose is to be a dad like I've seen it now. And so he takes on the the children of nowhere and like Nebula's like look I'm needed here at nowhere. Quill you're going to go do your thing. Mantis is like I just haven't really had a life. All I've ever done is be a servant to Ego. And then with you guys. Like I have no idea what the world is beyond you guys. And I appreciate the fact that you've shown it to me but I'm out of here too. And so they put you know Gamora and Quill have their uh, I said Mantis yeah Mantis did that uh, Gamora kind of has her thing of like Quill well, I'm sure you're you're a good dude and I'm sure what we have was wonderful but it ain't me yeah but it ain't me and he's like yeah it was but he has to understand yeah. it. Like, I and they and they does. go their
1: separate ways and like maybe they'll revisit that in, in future yeah. movies maybe not but for right now like that's yeah. sort of how it is is like it, that's the whole thing is like it's it's the tragic ending of
0: dealing with your own trauma yeah and do I deserve my own happiness? And can I go for it? A little it? bit, like, yeah. When is it my turn? Kind of yeah. thing. So, it's it's a really good send off, man. And I, I walked away pretty satisfied with where everyone was. Quill finds out his uh, grandfather is still alive on Earth, so he's like, I'm gonna go kick it on Earth. Yeah. So, everyone has a pretty good send off. They show they introduce a new set of Guardians. Uh, Rocket's still doing his thing. He's leader he of the Guardians. Takes over, right? He's, he's like, it's needed. Obviously, he just saved yeah. fucking Noah's Ark <laughs> at the very <laughs> end. <laughs> right. So he's like, yeah, it's obviously he understands his role of like, oh yeah, I can do the things. If I would have been able to protect those earlier, maybe I wouldn't be in this position. Sure. So kind of Batman's it a little bit. Um, right. Groot Tragic backstory. Tragic backstory. Groot goes with him as King Groot now. Adam mm-hmm. Warlock joins. Um, uh, Kraglin is in charge of the, the whistle arrow now and mm-hmm. has command of it. And Cosmo is a new guardian and introduce Phyla Vell, who in the comics is the daughter of Marvel. We'll spare you all that. But <laughs> she was one of the final experiments of uh, of uh, the High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. So, new set of Guardians, new things to look forward to. And I'm, who knows? At the end, they say that Peter Quill w- will return in the Legendary Star Lord. That's Star-Lord, right. That's so. right. The little Stinger at the end. Yeah. The Legendary Star Lord will return. So who knows what goes beyond the stars and back here on Earth? Uh, what would you rate it, my friend? Uh, I'm gonna give it. Um... Oh man,
1: seven dreams about space and the sky.
0: Pretty good rating. Was pretty heartfelt rating. Pretty <laughs> tear my heart out. I'll give it a, a few sets of tooths. Those are individual. I know everyone has teeths, but mine are more predominant. Yeah, He's teeths, but teeths. I call him, Yeah, I call them tooths. So. Toofs. <laughs> I'll give them a, a, a series of tooths. So. That's right. Uh, I dug it though, man. So, um, anything else you want to talk about, man? Uh, uh, butt stuff. Yeah, no. The one thing I'll say about the high evolutionary though is if you are an animal lover, I remember at one point I was watching it with um with Angie, uh, and she's a huge animal lover, uh, mm-hmm. way more than you. So if you think you're an animal lover, you're not. I don't but, know. I did once jerk off a dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. A couple exceptions to the rule here. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But no, uh, if you're an animal lover though, and this is like an animal cruelty story, I remember looking at him and I was like, "Rip him in half!" Yes, and she yes. just had this look on her face, like fucking. Even these yeah. CGI animals deserve justice. If you are a fan of animals or a, have a hatred of long
1: runtimes in movies, this
0: is going to be a hard watch for you. Yeah, yeah, they have a good hallway fight scene though. They, they shout do. out to that. And he he paid homage to uh, Old Boy and he said that's where he drew the inspiration. Well, so good. So good for him for James Gunn. So I'm interested to see where it goes. He's stepping over to the DC universe and Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I eagerly anticipate his new Superman movie. You shiva with anticipation. Anticipation. So well that's it for me, my guy. That's all I got. I'm good, man. I think we've what covered that. Watched. Out, so. Um <laughs> uh, well we're gonna sign out then. Uh, MD three signing out. The marvelous Mike D telling you uh, go watch a movie. And talk about it with someone you love.